He is always doing good. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from who? God. And so we can, we can be assured that whatever God's doing, it is good. It is perfect. It is the best. But how many of you know sometimes it doesn't look good? That's why God's told us. His word tells us we walk by faith and not by sight. Because sometimes we get all tripped up, all knotted up. We're just this little stress ball. Because we're looking at stuff. Did you see? Did you hear? Did you know? Well, you know what? It doesn't matter what you see unless you make it matter. It doesn't matter what you hear. It doesn't matter what you know. What matters is who you know. And you know that he is with you and he is for you. And he is wanting you to be overwhelmingly more than a conqueror, the scripture says, in all things. Oh, please. This is, this is God's guarantee that if you and I will depend on him, if we'll look to him, if we'll rely on him and trust in him, what will happen is that he will bring us through and into what he's prepared and planned. That means you don't just have a get-out-of-jail-free card. God has given you his guarantee that he will cause you to be the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. Under the old covenant, he told his people, you'll be blessed going in and blessed coming out and blessed in everything you set your hands to. Now, if that's under the old covenant, understand those good blessings are part of the new covenant. So they're yours too. And that's why we can rejoice. Rejoice in all things, not for all things. We rejoice in the midst of them because we know what's coming. We know what's coming. What God has planned is coming. If we'll just stand, having done all things to stand, he is going to fulfill his will and nothing can stop his will. Amen? So we ought to be the most hope-filled, most joy-filled, most peace-filled people that there are on the planet. But it only happens because we know who he is, we know what he said, and we believe him. That's where we mix the faith in there, and that's what we do. We fight the good fight of faith, holding on to what he's promised us because he is not a man that he would lie. And so we can have that joy and that peace and that hope no matter what's going on. God is so good, isn't he? And that's why, that's why we, we hear that we should, we should fear the Lord. We should be in awe of God because of all the things we encounter weekly, daily, we don't have to encounter them and, and battle on our own. He's an ever-present help in time of need. The challenge being this, we are so locked in to this world that we live in. The Bible says we are in this world, we're not of this world, but because we are so connected and getting so much information flooding into us, it causes us to lose sight, to lose focus on the one who is closer 
with us than anyone, and that's God. If you and I allow our problems, our situations to, to just rush us, if this is your problem, take your hand. How many of you have challenges in your life? Raise your hand up. Every hand ought to go up or we're going to pray for that lying spirit. Okay, some of you have two hands up. All right, take that, that that's representing your problem and put it out here. Now look at it. Look around as you look at it. What do you notice? That there's a lot more to see than just this. Now take your hand that represents the problem and pull it right up to your nose. Touch your nose. You guys all look funny. <laughs> Touch your nose. Now what's happened? What can you see? Not a whole lot, but your problem. But it's still the same size. The difference is what you've let it do. If you've let it get this close, then it can seem to overshadow and be bigger than anything you've got going except this problem. But guess who's closer than even this? God. And we should always have our focus on him, realizing that God is bigger than anything you face. And it's his good pleasure. This is what he loves to do, give you his kingdom. His kingdom. One day we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be experiencing his kingdom, but he wants you to experience here on earth that you would be a walking, talking advertisement for what heaven is like. How many of you know we've got some room to grow? <laughs> Amen. But that's what God's doing. God is, is causing us to grow. And, and it's important. Uh, because if we aren't, aren't truly revering God and, and honoring God and fearing God and in awe of God, then we're going to be overwhelmed by the stuff that, that goes on every day. And it's a choice. Nobody can do it for you except you. As much as we want to do it for somebody else, we can't. Because we choose what our focus is going to be. We choose what our expectation is going to be in. And it needs to be God, all the time, God. Amen? Well, last week we, we were talking about the awe of God and uh, learning more about that. That comes from uh, the series that started weeks and weeks ago, months ago, about the fear of the Lord. And, and, and really began with what you see up here in Ezekiel. And... Uh, we, we found out that, that Psalms, and this won't be up there, Psalms 33, verse 8, says that let all the earth fear the Lord, revere, revere and worship him, and let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. When we revere and worship God, I, I gave you a definition of preeminent adoration and awe. And uh, that, that is what... We defined it as the, the preeminent adoration of God. If we had just put that up, Summer, thank you, uh, is, is to have God be first or the greatest in our priorities. 
and in our value and in our influence. What, what, what influences us? What do we value the most? What's the most important priority in our lives? And if we weren't in church, I'm sure we'd get a variety of answers, but we know when we're in church, it's got to be Jesus. Right? It's like the little boy in Sunday school, they were, the, the teacher was saying, what's gray and has a bushy tail and climbs trees and eats nuts? And nobody would answer. Just like sometimes you do to me. I'll, I'll ask you a question you're afraid to answer. And, and one little boy got the courage up and he said, I, I think it's a squirrel, but I know we're in church, so the answer has to be Jesus. So I don't know what it is. And the answer is Jesus. Every time. What are you challenged with? What are you battling what are you believing for? The only one that can do all of this is God. And he wants you to have an abundant life, not just for you. He wants your life to be so abundant and overflowing that every person that comes in contact with you, whether you know them or you don't know them, whether you're part, a part of your family or they're a stranger you met on the street, that there would be an impact in their lives because your life is so overflowing with God's life. In Proverbs 14, 27, in the message translation, it says, the fear of God is a spring of living water. So you won't go off drinking from poisoned wells. Man, I like that translation. Because I'm telling you, there are all sorts of sources out there that will tell you and try and promise you that you're going to be refreshed, you're going to be invigorated, uh, that, that this is what you need, and it's not. There are poison wells out there. And the only place we can drink freely, fully, and know that we are safe and we're going to get stronger is out of the well of God, of his word. When we, when we fear him, it is a well that springs up with living water. In the New Testament, it talks about the fact that, that God has for the Spirit of God to live in us and spring up like living water. This is God's will. But we have to recognize that there is an enemy out there and he is trying to trip us up, trying to deceive us into believing what he says and, and his ways. And there are a lot of people today, a lot of Christians that are falling prey to that deception. We're watching more and more people let go of what the Bible says to believe what's popular today. And that just brings darkness and desperation. So it's, it's a well of living water. Now, this... If you'd go back, Summer, to the definition, the preeminent adoration and awe. We, we've been majoring on the preeminent adoration of God because that's an easy thing to do. It's, it's, it's something that, you know, when you begin to know God, you, you realize he needs to be the priority. He needs to be the greatest value. He, ne he needs to have the greatest influence in our life. And then we get to that place where we have fervent, devoted love and worship of him. It just happens. And then there's an aspect that we haven't really considered because it's more, it's not as easygoing and, and, 
and beneficial initially as we see the other two parts are, but that's awe. When we're in awe of God, it's like somebody that you have the utmost respect for and admiration. You know they are, are, are so wise, and, and you just don't want to disturb what's going on. You're just in awe. You're, you're almost maxed out. There is an uneasiness because you don't want to do something that, that's wrong. Now, God loves us no matter what we do. But do you know that there is an anointing that, that we each have? And what we do can either enhance the anointing or diminish the anointing. If we don't do what God has, the anointing will not increase. If we're obedient, there is a greater flow of God in our lives and through our lives. And that's what God wants. And that's what we need. And that's why we need to have this preeminent adoration where we, he, is, he is absolutely the first in everything. And we love him and we worship him above and before anything or anyone else. Now, Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so when we really do love him, this adoration, this fervent, devoted love, of God, we are tracking with him. We're, we're in line with him. We're, we're on course with him. And as we do, that opens up even more of what God has for us. You know, God wants us to experience life and life more abundant, but there's room in all of our lives for increase. And just like what he has for us going from glory to glory, there's always an increase. In this life, there's always an increase. There's another level to get to. And, and God wants to bring us to those things. But when we deal with awe, we, we talked about veneration and exaltation. Veneration is being just so aware and so honoring of his greatness and of his holiness. You know, God's holy. He, he loves us, but he's also holy, which means... He hates sin. He doesn't hate sinners, but he hates sin. And if we say we love him and we sin, then there's something off track there. Now, none of us are perfect, but we should be gaining on that. The sin that used to control our lives years ago no longer controls it the way it did. And we're making progress because we love God more than we love ourselves or the sin that we were involved in. And so there's, there's veneration, there's exaltation where we, we lift him up. We extol him with praise. Then there's trepidation. That's where we're just uneasy because he is so holy. He is so, so great. He is so awesome that, that we're just a little uncomfortable in his presence because we know he is everything we need to be and are becoming, but we're not there yet. And then there's magnification, which is about enlarging him by lifting him up, magnifying him in, in, with gratitude about his greatness. But this, this is true about awe. When we are in awe of, of something, uh, awe causes us to focus our attention. It draws our attention when something is awesome or we have awe of, we're focused on that. And what it does is it also draws attention away from other things. 
So when we're in awe of God, our attention is drawn towards God. Our focus is on God. And what it does is it draws our attention away from us, our challenges, all these other things that are going on. It's, it's just like the hand. You know, if our challenges are all we're focused on, it's right in our face and it's tough to overcome. But when we're focused on God and God is our focus, our challenges don't disappear. I'm not telling you that all of a sudden magically they'll disappear. They will still be there, but God will help you work through it where you see God much more and much more clearly focused on him than on your problem. And that's, that's an exercise each of us needs to do every day. But we, as I said, we started out with the scripture in Ezekiel. And, and I just want to refresh your memory that Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, God caught Ezekiel up and took him to this valley of dry bones. And uh, he had Ezekiel go all around and look at the dry bones, this, this valley of bones that were dead, dried, scattered everywhere. It was it was. It looked like a massacre had happened there, but a long time ago because the only thing that was left were bones. And as he looked around, God asked Ezekiel a question. He said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, we see the fear of the Lord, the preeminent adoration of God. He, he, he made God first. He loved God. He was going to be obedient. God was going to be the priority in his life, the most valuable thing, and the one that would influence him more than anything else. And so God asked him, can these bones live? And, and Ezekiel says, oh, sovereign Lord, only you know. Which he is clearly showing, my focus and my dependence is on you. My trust is in you. When we fear God, we have such an honor we revere him and we trust him so that we obey him. Why don't we obey? Because we don't trust. Because if we trusted, we would do what he said. We wouldn't be concerned about the outcome because we know he's telling us the truth. And so in verse 4, God begins to tell him to do some things. And he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Not his word, not what he thought, because if he looked at those bones and he said what he thought, he'd say, these are dead bones, they'll never live again, because nobody had ever seen that before. But how many of you know with God, you can't always go on what's been history because God can do a new thing. God can do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. So it may not have happened for anybody else, but does that mean God can't do it? Absolutely not. With God, all things are possible. So he tells him to prophesy and, and hear the word of the Lord. In verse 7 it says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and suddenly rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. So when he was obedient because he feared the Lord, he did what God had for him to do, even though it made no sense. The scripture tells us, trust in the Lord with your whole heart, lean not to your own understanding. 
in all ways acknowledge him. That means look to him. Consider him. Seek him out. And he'll direct your steps. But how many of you know we can't have our steps directed unless we're willing to follow? We, we sometimes, not meaning to, we play games with God. We ask him for guidance and direction. But we are unsure if we're going to follow what he tells us. Now, I want you to understand that, that God knows all that. God knows when we ask him for guidance, if we're just set on one course, likelihood is you're not going to get an answer because he knows that our hearts are already made up not to obey unless it's this answer. And God loves you too much, loves us too much to knowingly give us an answer that's going to put us in the middle of rebellion. And so sometimes we don't get these answers because we are not really open to what God says. But Ezekiel was, and he spoke exactly what God said. And as he spoke, things started to happen. I want you to know there is power in the word of God. And there's power when you speak the word of God. It's not just your word. When you pray the promises, speak the promises and the provisions of God's word, you are speaking the word of God. Understand that everything seen and unseen was created by that same word. It just happens to be coming through your mouth. But it's still his word. And as you speak it, things change. You and I don't always see it, but I want you to understand the word of God will not return void. The Bible says it will go forth and it will prosper in the way it goes. Heaven and earth, Scripture says, will pass away before one part of God's word passes away. And God said, I watch over my word to perform it. How many of you know if God says, I'm watching over my word to perform it, he's waiting, he's listening, he's looking to see somebody speak his word in faith so that he can be released to do what he intends to do. There's a lot of power that you have, I have, as a believer, what I'm going to speak. Am I going to speak doubt and unbelief? Or am I going to speak the truth of God's word and let God go to work? Because when I speak doubt and unbelief, guess who goes to work? The enemy. The enemy is empowered to go to work at the power of your speaking. That's why the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue and we eat whatever we speak. So he has this happen and bones come together, but then there comes sinews and, and muscles and, and, and tendons and flesh, and yet it's not alive. These bodies come together. What do you think happened with Ezekiel as he's watching this happen? He speaks this word, God's word, and all of a sudden things start to move and they're connecting and they're growing. And now he's seeing bodies, full bodies before him. 
yeah. You know, don't, don't read the Bible in this sterile little environment. Immerse yourself in it. What would happen if that was you? What would be your reaction? Oh, that's nice, God. What else can you do to impress me? I'd be freaking out. I'd be pulling my hair. No. I'd be doing something. I'd be overwhelmed. I'd be in awe. Oh, my gosh. This is your God. This is who he is. This is what he does. His eyes are going throughout all the earth looking for someone. Anyone, everyone whose hearts are fully turned towards him, who are fully devoted, fully loyal, who have given him the preeminent adoration. And as that happens, you're going to begin to see the glory of God. You're going to grow in being in awe of God. Just imagine what was going through Ezekiel. He's got to be, oh my gosh, never seen anything like this. But there's no life in him. Go to the next one, please, Summer. And so again, the Lord told Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may be alive. Now, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to believe it. How many of you know we can say all sorts of things? There's stuff we say all the time that we don't believe. It says, so I prophesied as he commanded me. Two times he prophesied as he was commanded. Not more, not less, not something else. Not, he didn't Im improvise. He was obedient. The Bible says the willing and the obedient will eat the best of the lamb. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And so he prophesied as he was commanded and breath came into them and they lived and they stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Now he's seen one miracle already. These bones come together and they look like they're alive, but there's no life in them. And God has a provision for that. He says, speak to the, the breath, prophesy and command it to come. And it comes. And now there's life and these dead Dry, scattered bones that no one, no one, no one in their right mind, like we think we are, would ever say, when God says, can these bones live? Our answer is going to be, heck no. Absolutely not. But that's because we're looking with what we can understand, what we can comprehend, and we're looking from our vantage point. Is that possible with us? Absolutely not. So if it's just dependent on us, that's a true statement. But it's not. He was depending on God, and God says, can they live? And he says, you alone know. 
because I'm depending on you. If you say yes, then it's yes. If you say no, then it's no. Whatever God says, it is. And now all of a sudden there is this massive army is standing in the place where death was, where there was nothing. There was no nothing to indicate that there was anything great that was going to come out of this. It looks like that had happened and that was the end and that's all there was going to be. And yet God created this great army because Ezekiel was obedient. Ezekiel feared him. And and that's, that's what God wants. God wants us to get to the place where we have such an awe, an honor, a reverence. We have such fear of the Lord, a preeminent adoration of God, that whatever he says to us, we're going to do. Man, we're not going to question because God is always leading us into the fullness of what he's prepared. But it doesn't always look like it. When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, he came up out of the water. God acknowledged this was his son. He was filled with the Spirit, and the first thing the Spirit of God did was what? Anybody remember? Let him into the wilderness. Did God make a boo-boo? Did he not know the enemy was waiting out there to tempt Jesus? He absolutely knew he was out there. And he didn't lead him around. He led him right into the teeth of the enemy. Because he wanted to show that with him, there was no problem. More powerful than what the enemy could do. And he was tempted. But because Jesus... Jesus gave the Father the preeminent adoration and awe in his life. He was obedient to the Father, even though he had desires for things. You know, he had been out there fasting and praying, and there was no food he had eaten, and and the enemy says, turn these stones into bread. And what's he do? He again references the Father. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. What was his focus? His father, his father, what his father wanted, what his father has said, what the word says. And he was able to defeat the enemy. And the Bible says that the enemy took off to a more, until there was a more opportune time to come back and tempt him again because that's the way the enemy worked. But it says Jesus, who went out, led by the Spirit, came back in the power of the Spirit. One of the things that's lacking in the church today is the power of God. And God is not going to release power into lives the way we want it until we are mature enough and committed enough and devoted enough to handle this. Because if God releases miracle-working power in our lives and we're not mature enough, guess who's going to suffer? We are and the witness of the church. Other people are. And we've seen too much of that already. God wants us to come to that place where we are fully devoted followers. And we never get there completely, but we gain. We are more 
more devoted. We've given him more preeminence. We are adoring him more than ever before. And because of that, we're seeing more of God doing what he does. And we become even more in awe of God, which causes us again to be moved away from our focus because awe draws us to focus on what we're in awe of. And unfortunately, many Christians are more in awe of celebrities and athletes and all sorts of things other than God. And all of them put together can't hold a candle to God. And yet it's easy. It's easy to get distracted. And so this, this miracle happens and there's even more awe in, in Ezekiel's life because he's seen this. Now, this didn't just happen in the Old Testament. It happened with Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, it says when he had stopped speaking, he had been teaching and, and the crowds were continuing to grow and grow and grow and press in and he was being pushed further and further towards the water's edge. And it says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let out your nets. He had gotten into Simon's boat to get some room between him and the people that he was teaching. And when he ended, he tells Simon. Now, this is his first encounter with Simon or Peter. We know him better as Peter. And he gets into his boat and he teaches and he gets done. And then he tells Peter... Go on a little farther, drop your nets. Peter doesn't know him, but he knows Peter. And, and Peter answers him and says, Master. That was by the Spirit of God. Master. Lord. Showing him reverence, showing him honor. Master. We have toiled all night and caught what? So, so he's giving Jesus a history lesson. We've been out here. We've been out here for years upon years fishing. And last night, it didn't work. We did everything we knew to do to be able to secure a living and food. And it didn't work. What do you think the mind frame was of Peter? When Jesus told him, drop your nets. Absolutely wasn't going to work because who is this guy? I haven't seen him out here with us. He's not a fisherman. What's he know about fishing? Sometimes we think about God that way. What's he know about my situation? Doesn't it sound dumb when I say it? Well, it sounds just as dumb when you think it. And that's where Peter is just, I so appreciate Peter because I can relate. No, no, no. I, I, I don't know who you are. You're not dressed to fish. You've just been teaching people. You've got some good, good insight, but you know nothing about fishing. Don't tell me to drop these nets. And yet he says, nevertheless, at what? your word at your word I will let down the net 
And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. I, 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 I immerse myself and, and make little stories out of what the stories are in the Bible. I can imagine Peter going over, you know, kind of haughty. Okay, guys, we've let it down. Let's pull it up. Let's pull it up. Let's pull it up. And they start to pull it up. And they have more fish than they have seen maybe ever. Who did that? How? By him directing somebody to do something that they didn't think was at all possible and had to fight through the doubt and unbelief, but said, Master, Master, at your word, I'll put down the net. And did, and God showed him what is possible if you'll just believe and be obedient. And it goes on to say, and they waved to their partners in the other boat, and they came to them. They filled both boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. Wow. And then it says in verse 9, and they, when they pulled in the catch of fish, awe overwhelmed Simon and everyone with him. But see, Simon, Simon had already determined that he would let the Lord and his words influence him more than what he knew. What did he know about letting nets down right then? Wasn't going to work. Didn't work last night, not going to work today. But in spite of what he knew, what he believed, he gave the words of the Lord priority, gave them higher value than what he thought, what he felt, what he believed, and then lovingly obeyed him. Like Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commands. When Jesus spoke, he did it. And they became in awe. They saw something they would never see any other way. How many of you want to see things you've never seen before of the glory of God? And I'm glad a lot of you do. I wish all of you did. But the only way that's going to happen is we do things we've never done before when God directs us. We do things we don't, we don't necessarily understand or can say, I really believe it, but you can show your faith by being obedient. I've told you, I, I had not planned on doing this, but I've told you that Debbie and I talk to people all the time. And, and we went out for Mother's Day. That's why I went running out of here last Sunday on Mother's Day to get to a, a, a place for lunch that we, Debbie wanted to go to. So we went out and had this great lunch, and, and the little girl serving us was very kind. She's very upbeat and we both knew we needed to just ask her, is there anything we can pray for you for? 
Now, you can get a variety of responses, but this was one I wasn't expecting. When we said, listen, we're going we're gonna to pray for our food and ask God to bless our food and bring nourishment to us, is there anything we can pray and ask God for for you? Her face just went white. And she turned away and walked away. Uh, no, she said, I, 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 and kind of stammered a little bit and said, I, 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 I can't even think about that. And I'll get you some water and took off and came back. And we could see when she came back, she had been crying. And she said, you know, I didn't expect that. I didn't want to say. She said, I've just had a really bad breakup. And, and uh, it really hurts. And we said, well, you know what? The Bible says God's the healer of a brokenhearted. And we believe he can heal you. And we believe that he can bring the right person into your life. But you've got to let him. And, and it was just amazing. Because to all appearances, she was doing great. But God knew better. I want you to know, no matter what you and I think, God knows what is actually going on. And if we'll just be available to be obedient, you will impact people's lives. And I, I sat there. I know God. Debbie knows God. But I was in awe of God that that happened, that she was so receptive and willing to tell us what was going on. It was amazing, and it was a huge blessing. And it has, has encouraged me to do this in all sorts of situations, and it always does. But that's where, that's where we have to be willing to get ourselves out of our comfort zone and trust God. Because if we say we love God and God loves people, then God is definitely going to have you interact with people. Just like you. Just like me. And so they were in awe of what had happened. But there was something else. In verse 8, it says this. This was the reaction of Peter when this happened. It says, Simon Peter, when he saw it, he fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave. I'm a sinner and I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. Because when God shows up, we're very aware that we are not holy like he's holy yet. And, and the thing that we want is we want him to move away, and God is not going to move away from you. He's going to help you and me realize there are things that need to go, but it's not me. This stuff that you are now very uncomfortable in my presence with, that's what needs to go. You want to see my glory? You want to see my kingdom built? Then you have to put aside these things. One of the things that sin does, the Bible tells us sin hides the face of God. Our sin hides his face from us. You may say, well, what, what do you mean? Remember how the Bible says man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? That mouth is in his face. When your sin and my sin is involved, it keeps us from getting and keeping a clear picture of God of who he is. And then we begin to doubt God and question God and not trust God the way we need to and the way other people need us to. 
There's a battle going on for who we are going to give the preeminent adoration and awe to. And it is fought every day in our lives. And we can't afford to let things change in order where God continues to rotate in and out of first place and now he's second and third and now he's first and now he's, you know, he needs to stay first. He needs to be the one that has the preeminence. Because if not, if we don't have that awe of God, there's not going to be that life-giving flow of the fountain of God. And we need it and others need it. Without that honor of God, the power of God is not going to be released in our lives and through our lives. This isn't going to be up there, but Jesus, when he went to his own hometown, he had been preaching in the area, he went to his own hometown, he went to the synagogue, he taught in the synagogue. Everybody was amazed at the wisdom. And, and you can find this in Matthew chapter 13. Amazed at the wisdom that Jesus spoke the word of God with power, with clarity, with understanding, with all of this. And they, they, they began to question. They were like, isn't this the carpenter's kid? Isn't his mother Mary? Aren't his brothers the ones we know? And the Bible says they became offended. What they were doing was they were diminishing who Jesus was. They were dishonoring Jesus. And Jesus said a prophet without honor in his own country happens all the time. But then he went to do what he was there to do, not just speak the word, but to heal people. And the Bible says he could do no mighty works of healing because of their unbelief, and their unbelief was dishonor. You see, we can, we can hinder what God wants to do because we don't have the honor of God that we should. God's looking, looking for someone, people, groups of people that will be honoring him above all things so that he can reveal himself to and through in this hour. The Bible tells us the glory the glory of the Lord is supposed to cover the earth just like the waters cover the sea. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And it comes through you and me as, as we give him that place of honor. Now, they left and they went across the, the Sea of Galilee and in chapter 5 of Mark, we've got another situation where uh, Jesus is... is experiencing what he is doing because of his honor of his father. And so he, he comes up out of the boat and this area of the gatherings. And as he's walking up, there is a man who has been possessed by demons that sees him and runs to him. Runs to him and falls at his feet to worship him. And Jesus has mercy on him and does what the Father wants him to do and delivers this man. And in the process of it, 
he casts out this legion of demons and they go into a herd of pigs on the hill. And the pigs have enough sense when the demons come into them to run down the hill and drown themselves. And somebody tells the, the people in the nearby city whose pigs they were. And they come up and uh, they see what's going on. In verse 15, it says this, they came to Jesus and saw the madman sitting there wearing decent clothes and making sense, no longer a walking madhouse of a, mad, of a man. Those who had seen it told the others what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs. First, they were what? In awe. Wouldn't you be? This guy they had known for years and years and years, and, and he hung out in the tombs, and he cut himself, and he screamed all night, and he was a terror to be around. And now he's there in his right mind, in decent clothes, and this has never happened to this man up to this point. And so they're in awe of this. But if you... And I, if people don't have that preeminent adoration first and we just get awed by God, it can happen, but it's not going to last. Because these people showed what was preeminent and what they adored in their lives. Because at first they were in awe. And then it says, and then they were upset, upset over the drowned pigs. And they demanded that Jesus leave and not come back. That indicates what was priority in their lives. Not this guy that, that had been in such a terrible state. Okay, yeah, he's okay. But what about my pigs? That was, is what had the preeminence. That's what they had a priority on, the value of. That's what influenced them more than anything else. They didn't want to lose any more pigs. Get out of here, Jesus. And if we don't have that preeminent adoration of God fixed, when God does what he can, only God can do, and things happen and we start to get in awe of God, but We've, we've valued and prioritized things before him. Those things are going to creep back in and we're going to say, you know what, just, just, I need to go do what I need to do, Jesus, don't bother me. And I know this is true because I've done this. Jesus was part of a bunch of things that were important to me. And they kind of rotated in and out. And even though I would see God do great things, that kind of wore off because there were priorities I had, there were values I had, and, and there were things influencing my life that, that I allowed to influence me more, be more valuable, be a greater priority than God. And on a regular basis, I would push him away. And then I'd find myself in a place where I couldn't, couldn't do, couldn't be what I wanted to be or what I knew I could be. And I felt like Peter, Lord, I don't deserve to have you around me. 
but aren't you glad that God doesn't do what we deserve? God is merciful. He doesn't give us what we deserve. And God is gracious. He gives us what we don't deserve. God is, God is so, so good. I'm going to look at another situation in Luke chapter 8. <clears throat> Jesus again is going across the, the Sea of Galilee and he tells his disciples to get into the boat and they start off. And in verse 22, it says, One day he and his disciples got into a boat and he said, Let's go across the lake. And off they went. It was smooth sailing and he fell asleep. A terrific storm came up suddenly on the lake. Water poured in and they were about to capsize. And they woke Jesus up saying, Master, Master. Every time you see in the scriptures something mentioned multiple times, it was for emphasis sake. They were emphasizing, you are Master, you are Lord, you are who we trust in, who we look to. Master, Master, we're going to drown. Getting to his feet, he told the wind, silence, and the waves, quiet down. And they did. The lake became smooth as glass. You know, for years and years and years, I used to think Jesus was screaming at the, the wind and the waves. But I don't believe that at all. He didn't have to do that. It wasn't about volume. It wasn't about force. It was about authority. And all he had to say was, silence, quiet down. And all of a sudden, it goes back to smooth as glass. They came. They showed who was the priority, who, who they were going to, to value, who they were going to allow to influence their lives. They came to Jesus, and they called him Master, Master. And then they let him do what only he could do. Because how many of you think anybody else in that boat would have said to the winds, shh, shh, and the waves quiet down. If anybody else in that boat had done that, what do you think would have been the response? They would have just laughed that person off the boat. But they didn't do it to Jesus. They sought him out. They allowed him to have his way and do what he was going to do. And all of a sudden, things changed. I want you to know, when you and I allow God to have his way and do what he wants to do, things change. For the better, amen. And then verse 20, 25, they said... They were in absolute awe, staggering and stammering. Who is this anyway? He calls out to the wind and the sea, and they do what he tells them. It's amazing. God can control. God can work where you and I can't. God can do what you and I can't do, and yet we still want control. There's a clear indication we need to turn that control over to him. He needs to have the priority. He needs to be the greatest value. 
He needs to be the greatest influence in our life where we have fervent, devoted love and worship of him. And that moves us to the place where we're, we're willing to just say, you have your way. And then we see what God can do. And when you see what God can do, it always causes awe in our lives. We become just but what happens in that moment that we see what God does, it draws us towards him. Closer, more dependent, more trusting, more obedient. And this whole cycle keeps going where I hope you had an awful week. And if you don't know what I'm talking about before you go out of here offended... Just understand, do, do we have that, that screen? The last one we showed you last week. God wants you to have awful days. That's what he wants you to have every day. And the only way that's going to happen is if we do fear him, if we are in awe of him and allow him to truly be our Lord and our Savior, our God, our all in all. Because he really is God. And we should let him be in our lives. And quit trying to be God in our own lives or in anybody else's life. The Bible tells us that in the days that we live in, the last days, that there are going to be unprecedented miracles, signs, and wonders. Like the world has never, ever seen before. And that's not going to just happen because God's just going to do it. He's going to do it, but he's going to find people that he can do it in partnership with. Do it through. And that he can trust when it's being done, when these miracles begin, when these awesome works of God are displayed, and he gives you and me, us, part in it, partnering with him, He has for us to have great integrity and great humility to the point where when it's done and people come running to you and saying, oh my gosh, look what you did. We with great integrity and great humility say, no, it's Christ in us. This is the work of God. And the work that God just did here he can do anywhere. People will fear him and honor him and exalt him. And that means you. You know, if we look at church history, one of the things we see is we see certain people that were just lifted up, Charles Finney and, and these different people, Catherine Coleman, that miracles work through. And I want you to realize that this move of God at the end of the age is not going to be through elevated individuals. It's going to be through every part of the body of Christ that will let him work. That means you. It means me. It means us. But we have to choose. We have to make some changes. And so this morning, you've seen what Jesus did. You see how he found people that were willing to work with him. God found Ezekiel. 
Jesus was willing to work with people that were out of their comfort zone, didn't understand, didn't know, and yet they were willing to fear God, reverence God, give honor to God, opportunity to God to do something that they could not possibly believe could happen, and yet they were willing to trust and obey. Are you? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. It's important that we recognize that we're in training for reigning. God is training you, preparing you as a child of God to come to that place of being all in with him, that he is the one who has preeminence in your life. He is the one that you adore above and before anyone or anything. And that you are growing in your awe of him. Amazing, amazing, amazing God who is with you and for you, who goes ahead of you and prepares the way, who's your rear guard, who's there to govern you and guide you and guard you like no one else can. But you and I have to choose. We're going to do this a little different this morning, but if you're a believer, you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, and you realize this morning there needs to be an adjustment. There needs to be some reprioritizing where he goes back to number one. There needs to be some revaluing where he becomes the most valuable thing in your life. And there needs to be an adjustment in what we are allowing to influence us where he becomes the first focus to influence us in our life. And that we love and obey him. We worship him. And we look to see his glory, his awe, his awesome works. If you know this morning as a believer, there needs to be an adjustment. And you're willing to make that. Let God know right now. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or do anything because you could stand up and not do it. And you could sit down and do it. So this is between you and God. But I'm challenging you to do something. Don't just sit there, do something this morning in, in making an adjustment in the way your life is. And Father, right now, I pray for every one of us. I pray for myself. Lord, help me to make the adjustments I need to make. Father, when, it, when, when I start to, to stumble, start to be drawn back into the way things used to be and, and things that I had or somebody else wanted me to have in my life. Father, help me to stand strong. Help us to stand strong. Father, in our weakness, your, your word says, your strength is made full. So, Father, as we humble ourselves before you right now, saying, we are weak, but you are strong, and we're looking to be strong in you and the power of your might. That it's not by our might or our power, but it's by your spirit. Father, fill us and flood us fresh and anew with your spirit. 
Holy Spirit, impart to us and empower us to be who you created us to be and to do what you created us to do, knowing that with you all things are possible. Father, we thank you. We thank you for, for a cleansing right now. We thank you for your word that's truth that sets captives free. Father, we thank you for the freedom that's available to us to be able to walk out of the chains of sin and walk in righteousness and true holiness. Thank you for the good work that you've begun in us. That you're working us to will and to do your good pleasure. Father, help us to to walk as your son walked, not coming to do his own will, but to do your will. To always do those things that please you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this new and living way that we can walk in. Bringing glory to your name and life and life more abundant to those around us through the person and the power of King Jesus, our Lord. We thank you, Father, for this. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe, maybe you're not a believer. And we usually talk to people that don't have faith in Christ first, but I just felt God wanted me to address the body of Christ, but God has a place for you. God has a plan for you. God has a provision for you that is beyond anything you can get anywhere else from anyone else. If you've never put your trust in Christ, today is the day to turn away from leading your own life your own way and giving your life to the Lord where you would grow and develop in Him, knowing Him and His ways and his works. If you have never trusted in Christ, I want to pray with you today and I'm going to invite everybody to pray together. You at home, you're invited to pray too. Let's pray this prayer, Heavenly Father. I thank you for your son, Jesus, who came into this earth, lived a sinless life, willingly went to the cross to die to pay the price for my sin and was raised glorious and victorious to the right hand of the Father where he reigns. Today, Lord Jesus, I come to you and I proclaim I'm a sinner. I recognize the price you paid for me. And I receive your forgiveness. Cleanse me from all sin, all unrighteousness. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Lord Jesus, from this day forward, I am yours you are mine. Thank you for saving me. 
Guide me, guard me, govern me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let somebody know here before you leave. If you prayed online, go to the website, reslifeny.org, and uh, scroll down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. And if you want someone to contact you, give us your contact information. Would you stand? God has a great week for you. It's going to be awful. Amen. Amen. Um, there was something I needed to tell you. Oh, yes. Next Sunday, next Sunday, we have Family Worship Sunday. We all worship together as a family. We have communion, and we also have the Colbrenners sharing with us about their Uganda trip that you are very much a part of. You do not want to miss that, amen? This week is going to be awesome. Because God is in your week ahead of you, and he is going to guide you through your week to see his glory. Amen? Amen. I just want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for each and every one of your children. Father, here and online, Father, there's no place we can go that you're not there. And Father, we want to be very intentional about being aware of you, about making you our priority giving you the preeminence, adoring you, and walking in awe of you. And Father, we would, we would see your glory. And we would be vessels that reveal your glory. You said Christ is in us is the hope of glory. We want you, Lord, through your spirit and your word, to truly guide and govern and guard our lives so that we do exactly as you did. We do everything that pleases our Heavenly Father. We thank you, Father, for this. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. have a great week.